Welcome to Sunday on Monday, the best podcast about the serious business of cannabis banking. Brought to you by the Safe Harbor Program, the nation's first service-based program that specializes in connecting cannabis-related businesses with financial institutions. Better business practices, safer communities. It's bigger than banking. It's Sunday on Monday. And, of course, you can listen on any day, anywhere in the world, on any device. For our first episode, we wanted to go back to the beginning and talk about how this whole thing got started. So we're going back to the boardroom. Many years ago, we've all been in the boardroom with the long wooden table and the high back leather chairs. It's where the serious business of banking is discussed, strategic plans, data processing conversions, financial reports. It is not a place where you expect to use the word marijuana. And yet, Sunday had to do exactly that. And I said, do you remember the first time you had to use that word in the boardroom? Wow, that's one of those memory-burning moments that you never forget. I don't think I ever will. But by the time I brought it up in the boardroom, I knew based upon the stories that I'd heard, I couldn't ignore the issue, but yet bringing up just the word marijuana was difficult, let alone it being federally illegal and putting the credit union at risk. The objective was, you know, kind of test the waters early before doing a great deal of work and research and development. Let's, let's just go in there and have them shoot it down early and, you know, take this off my plate. I waited until new business, uh, and I said, I, I have a sensitive topic I'd like to talk about. I kind of had my head down, and I'm not normally a shy person in the boardroom, but I just didn't know how this was going to be received. So still looking down, I said, I've been studying a new industry, marijuana, and I think we might want to consider this community issue. The first question that came out of the mouth of the board members, one question, are you crazy? And, and I responded immediately and I said, well, maybe, but I think we could do this. What was really great is, you know, the board just opened their minds and listened and they said, okay. We're going to allow you to go further and do more research and educate us. And, you know, in hindsight, I think they feel like it was one of the best decisions they ever made. I had spent time in boardrooms in my career trying to convince people. I used to say when I was speaking professionally that board member was just code word for older people. Trying to convince those very people to take a chance on things like Internet banking and bill pay and online lending. I couldn't imagine having to talk about this. And so I asked Sunday, were you surprised that they gave you the green light to continue looking into this? I think I was not only surprised, I was half-heartedly doing it, you know, because I really <laughs> did want to retire. <laughs> I know. I remember telling the board that, you know, in about September time frame, I said, Every time I turn around, I keep waiting for someone to close the door and tell me not to do this. There's too much risk in it, but I keep getting encouraged to keep moving forward. And, you know, everybody wants this money banked. So I guess we're going to have to continue forward on this. Well, about the same time Sunday was continuing forward on that, I sold something for which I was paid in cash. 
and I went right to the bank and was surprised to learn that if you deposit a certain amount of cash, there are all these procedures that have to be followed. If you're in the cannabis industry, you may not know that in the banking world, the the way cash is tracked, it is very, very highly regulated. And so, of course, as the cannabis industry started gaining momentum and popularity, the owners of these businesses are dealing with large amounts of cash and are being put into some very unsafe practices. And in talking to Sunday, it was obvious that was one of the reasons she wanted to do something to help out these legitimate businesses. Yes. And and during the initial interviews, because I did all the initial interviews, because I had to learn what I didn't know, is when I really heard the stories. And, and But during my research, there were enough stories that just led me to believe we had to do this. It was probably what really turned the tide of acceptance in the boardroom as we researched. You know, when you learn something, it becomes really difficult to ignore it or to unlearn and forces one into action. So during some of these conversations, I heard stories about mom and dad who were in the cannabis business, you know, taking their two young kids, putting them in the car seat in the middle of the night. This is a story that just really kind of got to my heart. And the kids are in car seats, and mom and dad have to take tens of thousands of dollars and find ATMs in the middle of the night in which to deposit these $20 bills and do it in several different ATMs and several different bank accounts because they had to be inconspicuous, and they didn't want their accounts closed. The, the yeah. second example... And there are limits, and there are really limits on ATM deposits. A lot of young people that listen to this podcast that are in banking may not know this, but there are limits on how much money you can deposit by the ATM. The bank's not stupid. The credit union's not stupid. If you say you're depositing $500 and want $200 cash back, you know, they're not going to give you that. That was one of the things that you sent to me off the air that really resonated with me. Cash is still a legal and legitimate form of payment. And it really sounds like that was the thing that got all of this going. You had successful businesses that were dealing in cash and had no safe way, no safe harbor to, to manage their money. No, they didn't. But then think about it, too. If you've got two children in the back seat and carrying tens of thousands of dollars, and you, you can't tell me that there wasn't some type of arm or weapon in the car to protect your family with that kind of money. Well, thanks to Safe Harbor Services, these business owners are no longer having to do these unsafe and dangerous things in the middle of the night. Uh, Safe Harbor starts to add clients. The clients love the team at Safe Harbor, and occasionally happy clients will want to present gifts. Well, Sunday found out right away they had to have a zero tolerance on gifts. I asked her why. Yeah, that, that was funny, you know, because there's this um, regulation that's called bank bribery, and it should preclude <laughs> bankers from accepting gifts anyhow. So those of you who feel obligated to provide gifts to your banker, here's your out. Don't. Bank bribery. Don't. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you don't have to, right? You know. So these things are managed and watched in the financial institutions. Well, you know, let's just add cannabis on top of bank bribery, you know, as an illegal substance. And I just thought that was going to be a disaster. And part of the, you know, part of the obligation of management is to protect employees and keep them out of harm's way. And, And so I could just see this one being disaster. 
so we, de we developed a zero gift tolerance, not even flowers, not even bags of chocolate. With the clients. Which would have been, been fine. Yeah, yeah. get a flower, it's dead in 10 days anyway, right? Chocolate, eat it, go home. But you guys couldn't take this because? Yeah, I was worried that cannabis would get thrown in there, and, and that would just be, uh, you know, a horrible PR process to go through. And, you know, I think, and then you have this, you know, industry that hasn't been banked for years, and they probably feel so grateful. I had to say right up front, let's not do this, and they understood why. And so we were probably nervous and strict, just kind of holding our breath. And it, it didn't come for a whole year, but that first Christmas, I had a banker walk in my office, and she had this T-shirt in her hand that was in a paper bag that was left on her desk while she was at lunch. And she's like, okay, so-and-so left this on my desk. And I'm like, okay, it's Christmas time. You know, we need to tell them, and we'll give them a call. And so we'll tell them not to do that, but go ahead and keep the T-shirt and say thank you and call them and say let's not do that again. And she's got this mischievous smile on her face, <laughs> and she just <laughs> lets the T-shirt unroll and on my desk falls mm. out this huge, huge joint. And I'm like, oh. I, you know, I backed up from the desk saying, what do I do now? This is, folks. <laughs> yeah. But this is exactly what my fear was, right? Yep. You know, yep. who wants to be accused of, of trading of accounts for product? So I said, oh. And, and she's like, what are you going to do about that now, Sunday? And I said, well. Let me think about it. And so I had her leave the room and said, go ahead and keep the T-shirt, you know. <laughs> and, and I had her, <laughs> yeah, really, T-shirt looks minor at this point in time. Yes. And so I'm like looking at that and saying, what am I going to do? And so I, I picked up that joint ever so carefully. <laughs> and, I, and I walked over to my VP of HR. And I, I said, oh, look. And I put it on her desk, and I said, you now have a problem. One of our employees got this as a gift. <laughs> <laughs> and I walked out kind of giggling like, you know, that's really passing the buck. <laughs> but you know, at that point, at that point, we made sure one of the supervisors called the client and said, no, no more products. <laughs> well, even before the legalization of cannabis in certain states, banking is one of the most highly regulated industries anywhere. And there were some scary moments, FDIC audits and things like that. And I asked Sunday about that. There were, I would have to say year one and year two were full of fear for the most part, you know, entering into this market, not knowing the market, having to learn at the learning curve. But then the extra things came on top that even as a CEO and banker, I had never seen. And, and the first one was you know, the Fed doing a, a currency audit, and, and all of a sudden everybody's like, what's a currency audit? Who's done this before? What does that mean? What are they looking for? They know we're depositing cash from the industry, so what's going to happen? You know, these are moments where you say, are they going to shut us down? Are they going to shut our Fed account? Are we going to suffer here? Are our members going to suffer? So you hold your breath. And we waited. And it turned out to be nothing. They monitored the money. Everything must have passed, and it wasn't until later where we really realized what they were looking for in that money. And, you know, there are ways to tell if illicit dollars are coming in through cartels, et cetera, and it, would, it behooved them. You know, we never really handled the money because of couriers, so it behooved them to take a look at that money and, and see what was coming in and learn about it. Another situation was, 
And I think this one made me even a little more nervous. And it was FinCEN when they, um, the federal agency to whom we, with whom we file all our reports, you know, put us on notice and said they were going to, and we do a lot of reports with them, and they put us on notice and said they were going to audit all of our reports for a particular month. And we're like, okay, another, are they going to shut us down? Are they going to fine us? Are they going to yeah. find us an Second error? You know, <laughs> you know and, and so we waited for the audit, and they sent us this letter, and they said, okay, we'd just like you to fine-tune a couple of the reports. And um, so we did. So it wasn't a big deal. But the worst case, and every financial institution out there will appreciate this, by this time we're filing six, 700 reports a month. And all of a sudden, we had to self-report that we had an error on about 6,000 CTRs. 6,000 errors, right? One line. These are long reports, easy to miss. And so we had to self-report to FinCEN 6,000 reports that had an error and asked them, what do we need to do? They gave us 60 days to refile 6,000 reports. <laughs> no, that was a tip. There's only 100 a day. <laughs> yeah, you know, when you're on the bleeding edge like that, you can't afford yeah. to make a mistake because, no. you know, a lot of the penalties Everyone's are based it. upon, yeah, and, and faulty CRTs is a penalty opportunity. So we, we got the job done, and staff really rose to the occasion. So I was pretty proud of them getting that job done. And we want to encourage you to check in every month and listen to Sunday on Monday because you'll get to meet some of the staff. We'll be interviewing some of the great team at Safe Harbor Services. Well, as cannabis banking became more and more popular, as more and more states passed legislation making it legal, more and more companies started getting into the business, and some of them would look at Safe Harbor Services and think, you guys are so slow and so careful and so methodical. Well, one thing that cannot be denied, seven years in, Safe Harbor Services is still there. Yes, we are still here after seven years, and and again, things are moving faster now because regulators have learned the business and, you know, they've learned a lot in the last seven years. But uh, fintechs are already a big threat to the banking industry. They're, they're speeding things up. They come from a technological background, which gives them, you know, the advantage of being able to build technology to move money faster. And, and they're not as regulated as banks. However, they are getting closer to that, and I think you're going to find that regulations are going to catch up with fintechs and that they, too, will have to slow down and make sure that they're fulfilling regulatory requirements. You know, so it was easy for them. You know, there's several tech companies that, you know, kind of grew up with the cannabis industry and took advantage of it, an opportunity. And in addition to managing all of that risk, Sunday and her team found, because of the supportive board and the great employees, that they suddenly had to manage success. And that meant outsourcing some things to other companies. And Sunday told me they ran into some pretty unsavory characters out there. And we did. We uh, hired this one tech company out of Nevada, and, and uh, they were programming all of our IP. And so IP is only flowing one way when you're asking somebody to program it. And then at the end of the, you know, at the end of paying for this software, all of a sudden they turned around and sued us for stealing their IP, which meant we had to defend ourselves and it went on for a long time and the defense costs were very expensive. 
But you know, uh, no, no, no lawsuit turns out good in the right. end for anybody, really. It just, you know, wastes money. But you know, it's it's not them that are in harm's way at this point in time. But if we find any of our IP in any of these financial institutions, it's the financial institution who's in harm's way if our IP has been, you know, worked in and not cleaned out of the system after they, you know, filed that lawsuit. And as unpleasant and expensive as that lawsuit process was, Sunday learned something very, very valuable about some people in this business. People who can't create steal. And people who can't... <laughs> All yeah. the time. And people... And, and if they can't compete, they destroy. I mean, that's kind of a normal tactic, I guess, in the marketplace out there. Just not used to that in credit unions. Well, Sunday and her team of pioneers continued to persevere and surmount every conceivable obstacle after every meeting with a board member or a regulator or an examiner. There was a song Sunday would hum as she headed back to her office. Yeah, I wasn't just humming it, I was singing it, staying alive. You know that that song, that song has been my theme song since day one of this project, like, because so many people got into it, jumped out, and all the game was staying alive, staying in it, being able to do this to the level that regulators would accept it. And, and so, you know, every time the regulators came in, I would, you know, and they would leave, and I would blast that song throughout the, the office saying, one more exam, we're staying alive, we're staying alive. And, and so my poor staff probably got so tired of hearing it. <laughs> well, you will not get tired of hearing about this amazing journey. So join us every month for Sunday on Monday, the podcast that you can listen to any day of the week, brought to you by the Safe Harbor Program, the nation's first service-based program that specializes in connecting cannabis-related businesses with financial institutions, better business practices, safer communities. It's bigger than banking. It's Sunday on Monday. Talk to you soon. Give us any